Hi, I'm Len Epp from LeanPub, and in this episode of the Front Matter podcast, I'll be interviewing Luca Burton. Based in the UK, Luca is an Ansible automation expert who has been working with JP Morgan Chase & Co. and previously worked with the Red Hat Ansible engineer team. You can follow him on Twitter at AnsiblePilot and check out his website at AnsiblePilot.com and his really great YouTube channel, Ansible Pilot. Luca has published lots of great books and courses. Uh, his latest book on LeanPub is Ansible Cookbook, a comprehensive guide to unleashing the power of Ansible via best practices, troubleshooting, and linting rules. In the book, takes, Luca takes you on an insightful journey through the world of Ansible, offering a holistic approach to mastering this transformative machine automation tool. In this interview, we're going to talk about Luca's background and career, uh, his book and, and all of his great content and Ansible, the Ansible pilot project and everything else that he does. So thank you very much, Luca, for being on the Lean Pub Front Matter podcast. Thank you, Lean. It's a great pleasure actually meeting you and I really like your platform and I think that is a great way that uh, IT professional can upskill uh, nowadays. Uh, I heard uh, recently this term that we live in, uh, we are transitioning to a skill-based economy and I really like this concept because uh, I think we're more professional nowadays. Uh, we are not like uh, stuck like in a mm, fixed career path, but there are some skills that we can acquire and maybe we can improve ourselves. And this is also one of my motto day to day. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, thank you very much for the, the kind words about that. Um, and you know, you're you're sort of like you know, in many ways, the sort of canonical kind of perfect lean pub author. You know, someone making great content that can be updated, that you know, people are using to sort of improve their careers and their lives and things like that. And it's just and also fun, which is a point you make in your videos all the time. Like, let's have fun, uh, which is which is which is really great. Um, uh. The first question I always like to ask on the podcast is about people's origin story. Um, so I was wondering if you could talk about a little bit about where you grew up and how you found your way into a career in technology and computer science and things like that. Uh, sure. I grew up, uh, an Italian grew up in Italy in uh, a lovely town called Padova that uh, is 50 kilometers next to Venice. And it used to be like the University of Venice over this year, actually, they celebrate 800 year of history about the university. I, I grew up in, in, in speaking Italian language, but I always was fascinating about technology. I remember when my dad was buying me the first computer uh, in high school. It was like a Pentium 2 with 32 megabytes of RAM. And there was a lot of fun. I mean, I was, I, like every small kids, I was a little bit of, a little bit of hacky. So I was like, uh, installing, installing, having a lot of fun. And I was trying to learn from my mistakes. I think this is the thing that also, uh, propelled all my career. I had the opportunity to meet other people that were as crazy as me in uh, the local uh, Linux user group is one of the oldest of, uh, Italy because it was founded in uh, early 90 and because the university was very upfront and there was, was a lot of um, people involved in uh, the IT industry. So mm, I was I was also becoming one of the founder of the Linux user group when it became like a, an official association in uh, the early, uh, early 2000. And uh, we had also the opportunity to invite uh, Richard Stanman in my hometown just for create an event and hearing from his own word what is uh, that uh, what is open source and how we started the GNU movement that originated everything 
all the evolution that we saw nowadays. It was a completely different period of time. I remember that Estonian Linux was like a pile of DVD. And actually, as a small uh, Linux user group, we used to have uh, store a lot of DVDs with all the version of Linux because internet was not a broadband like nowadays. So it was difficult. And also we were helping each other when we struggled having problem. I, and then what, what, what happened? Oh yes, I moved. It was like a the pivotal moment was when uh, uh, it was my divorce uh, and I decided like that I want to invest everything on my career. So uh, in 2019, I was you know, already in contact with Red Hat and I moved to the Czech Republic. Over there, they have uh, one of the biggest uh, research and development center. And I fell in love with Ansible. And I was learning by myself and uh, for my job, and I thought that a lot of things could be explained in a more like uh, easy way to understand to people. So I was trying, I was starting in uh, July 2021, I started my YouTube channel, and I was super impressed when the first 10, vis 10 view was, uh, when my first video reached out 10 or 100 views, I said, oh yeah, I was super happy at my moment. And if I looking back uh, in the history, I was taking a look these days for a presentation. Uh, I reached out half a million view of all my video. And for me is a number that I can't believe in my head. I'm talking about all the lifetime of a YouTube channel. And that early success gave me the enthusiasm and the dedication to start creating more video. The first were a little bit. <laughs> Well, a little bit uh, crappy, I would say, <laughs> like everybody. And my first, after I improved a little bit my style and then uh, everything from the video, I was uh, also having a, creating a script for myself because I'm not able to perform like a, a live. Now I'm doing live reviews, <laughs> so hope it will be great. And from uh, a YouTube channel, I also publish a blog. And when, when I reach out to a hundred articles, hey, maybe it will be a good idea to start uh, publishing a book. And uh, Limpub was the first company that uh, came, to, came up to my mind. So I tried and was just, in the beginning, it was just a collection of all the blog posts because most professionals find more convenient to download in a portable device and do copy and paste of a code uh, without uh, accessing the internet all the time. And here we start. Uh, also, uh, oh, another important thing was uh, that a publisher noticed uh, the book that I publish with you, with Limpub, and it was a paper press, and I published the first book, Ansible for VMware, by example. And then I want something more spicy. So I moved the second one, Ansible for Kubernetes by example. Then I was noticing that my audience was more focused on the India uh, because these books are great, but they have a price point that is more for the Western countries. So I partnered with uh, uh, BPP, that is one of the biggest editors in India, in New Delhi. And it ended up with a, with a book for the beginner. And the best feedback that I received was when I was in Berlin this year in September. And one of the attendees said, hey, 
uh, it was like opening a book just just for fun you know i had a, a copy in, in the conference and it was hey this is exactly the book that i would like to read to start <laughs> that's, fantastic. that's fantastic that's such a great story i love i love the idea of um uh, you know, getting getting into getting into technology early, and you know, getting into Linux early and stuff like that as well, um, and free open source software and things like that. Um, and then and so and so you moved to the Czech Republic or Czechia as it's it's called now. Um, and then you and then you moved to the UK eventually as well. Um, uh, yeah, exactly. And my life was uh, was like this because when uh, I was thinking, what is the big best company? about Linux nowadays, it was Red Hat. And uh, what is the biggest customer of Ansible nowadays? And it was in the UK. So I'm, follow I'm following my passion, basically. But I remember back at the time, it was a lot of like a trial. I remember when I was compiling the kernel and was not successful, like the computer literally was not able to boot. Nowadays, it, it is like a memory for the past. Yeah, no, that's that's fascinating. Um, and so uh, just before just before we move on, and I'm I'm looking forward to actually talking at the, the later on, a little bit later on about like how you built your your little empire, or I shouldn't say little, you, how you you know your your influence empire, because you know getting getting on getting on YouTube, having a blog, getting books, getting publishers approaching you, stuff like that. Um, one thing I should mention for anyone listening is that a lot of people think that oh, if someone's on LeanPub and then a publisher approaches them and they do something else, that we feel bad about that. We we love that. Like that's the best thing. That's the best thing ever, um, uh, and that's just that's just so great to hear that that it, that it worked out that way. Um, uh, but before we get before we do that, let's talk about Ansible. Uh, what is it? <laughs> oh, oh my God! Yes, basically, I'm a lazy boy. I would like to automate as many things that uh, I could in my life. So, as a, I grew up as a system administrator, so learning all the uh, incredible command uh, to do everything by command line on Linux, but uh, yeah, and nowadays it's possible to automate a lot of this task using um, Ansible, that is uh, an IT automation tool that also is transitioning to be an, an orchestrator. What I'm going to say is that uh, for deploying an application, we need to do a series of tasks. Imagine a serial command, most system administrator are creating some script and the problem of this type of approach is that uh, when uh, another colleague is joining the team, you probably don't remember the, how you create the script and uh, you need to maintain, you need to, uh, each one has his own style. I know some system administrator are keen to Perl, some other are keen to bash language. Uh, Ansible somehow we create one standard and is backed by Red Hat. So it is the, the automation of uh, Red Hat and IBM. So I'm really proud to uh, learn this technology from the Ansible engineering team and sharing with my community. It's an open source uh, product for command line, so you can use for free and you can contribute. And is is that I think is one of of the best product nowadays. So basically, nowadays Red Hat has a free product, free major product, the Red Hat Enterprise Linux that everybody we know, that uh, is the incredible platform, the OpenShift uh, Kubernetes uh, environment for uh, container, 
and when the number of server to maintain to manage go up because well in every organization is booming from virtual machine we are moving to container you need a system to uh, maintain our fleet and so every infrastructure need uh, Ansible. And Ansible is because you can connect to VMware, the old world, you can connect to a cloud provider, you can connect to Kubernetes, you can connect with everything, also with Windows. Um, and for people who are listening who maybe aren't familiar with some of these terms, um, what like I know it, it goes back a ways and you mentioned some, some of the origins of it, but what's open source and what makes sort of like something open source different from something that's not? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, it's a type of software, uh, it's a movement in software that believe that the software should be not uh, created and maintained by only one company, but you, we can share the source code and we can improve, we can learn from each other. I think the best um, expression of this is uh, Kubernetes. Kubernetes is a product behind uh, uh, Pokemon Go behind uh, a lot of Google uh, successful product but uh, is able to mm, uh, create a global scale application and it, I think the co is contrib it started by Google it was uh, open source by Red Hat and nowadays I think all the biggest company are contributing name IBM uh, and whatever came out into your mind it they are contributing to Kubernetes. So the best mind of the world are improving a software and it's like a collective brain that it become better and better. That's that's so very well said. I mean, one, one very interesting thing I think that a lot of people um, might sort of be curious about when it comes to open source, they're like, they might feel like it's something that's open must be less secure than something that's closed. But this is often the opposite of the case because if something's open, everybody can see it and everybody can sort of find all the weaknesses and everybody can fix all the weaknesses as well. Exactly. Is ever is that as you said? I remember that was a, there was a lot of like security flow in Linux. Probably where one of the most uh, famous was Heartbleed was uh, an SSL security that somebody was able to spot. Uh, as soon as possible and collectively they found a solution. I mean, I really believe that uh, as a team, we can grow up fast, farther than uh, as an individual. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah. And it's, uh, again, again, I just sort of, sort of say it for the sort of non-technical people who might be listening, you know, they might, again, you always think like, we tend to think that if things are in the box and sort of secret, that they must be more secure. But when it comes to certain kinds of technologies, that's actually not true and sort of, you know, when we think of free open source software, we might be now now thinking about the the sort of most secure and most robust things in the world, like like Linux, for example. Um, uh, yeah, but most of the people don't realize that uh, Linux uh, is inside the Android phone, is inside the television that we are using, inside the car that the entertainment or the car that we are using every day. So we are we have in our pocket more Linux that we think about <laughs> yeah and, and so again and again i always i always like to try to keep in mind people who might not know the terms but you know like linux is an operating system if you've got a mac you've got you know a, a mac and you've got a sort of an apple operating system if you've got windows machine you've got a windows operating system and there's the linux operating system and stuff like that and it's kind of what what makes your computer go and how and how it all works um and uh it's it's just you know there's there's these different options and as you say it's it's sort of sort of we sort of we 
even if we know it, we kind of sometimes forget that like all of our devices are computers now, you know, you're from your television to, to what have you. Um, and obviously your phone and things like that. Um, and so it's very interesting. So, um, uh, let's talk a little bit about your latest, your latest book on LeanPub, um, the, uh, Ansible cookbook. Uh, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about who it's for. Is it for absolute beginners? Is it for experts? Is it for people who are sort of partly along the way? Uh, well, I always try to mix and match uh, uh, the need of a uh, beginner and also seasoned ex expert because uh, uh, the idea is just create a problem and solution uh, book, uh, mm. book, like a sort, a sort of like a recipe book where you can uh, uh, find the, the code for solving the problem that uh, people experience uh, every day. Yes, I'm so proud to start this Ansible cookbook because it's a, it's a format that uh, is in the industry, mm. I mean, in the book industry for a while. And I think that all the big technology has a cookbook. And I found, I found them fascinated that Ansible didn't. I mean, I really like uh, learning uh, it took something by example, not only learning all the manual, you know, uh, it is a kind of like boring. We, we learn the theory. Yes. But practically, how am I going to create a user? How am I going to change a password? How am I going to create a directory? Well, these are the type of problem that usually Ansible is gone, is able to solve and is able to solve in a scale. So if you have a one, 10, 100, 1 million server, you can do in the same exact way. And this is the best part of this tool. It's like solving the problem one time and the sky's the limit. Now you can, for big organization, best, that is uh, a big saving, especially in a high regulated market or some, uh, I'm thinking about financial service, about uh, uh, flight, uh, about, um, I mean, the biggest is to show what, why it's, it's really interesting. Yeah, I know. I like, I like how the, um, the books are sort of follow the same model that your videos do, which is like, here's a, here's a prop, here's a problem, a real thing. You're going to, at the end of this, you're going to actually know, know a solution and I'm going to have stepped you through it, which is just a really great approach. Um, and as you say, I like, I like the sort of, you know, the, the, the sort of something cookbook, uh, is a great, is a great kind of analogy for like recipes and things like that. Uh, you know, learn, learning how to make something step by step. Um, and uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about, so you've got a, a B, I believe it's a, a blog called AI Liberator. Um, yes, this is a new idea that I'm working on the side. Uh, well, the automate, uh, the artificial intelligence is a trend in the industry. Yeah. It's not something new because uh, it was, I mean, I was approaching the all the machine learning, the basic, a uh, few years ago, I, I had, a, I remember that I was studying some, some courses on Coursera and mm. it was a very interesting material at the time. Uh, but nowadays we saw an explosion because, uh, I think that open AI and ChatGPT really open, uh, the artificial intelligence to the broad audience. And well, I simply think that, uh, we can't put the genie in a, in a box <laughs> and it's going to have a big impact in the industry. We already, and we are, my feeling is that we are still in the early stage of the technology, 
because uh, in the last, uh, just think about the last year because it's very interesting. Uh, ChatGPT was early, was released uh, more or less one year ago, and uh, before nobody know this tool, and now everybody's talking about. And in just one year, there was so much. Mm, uh, there was a big explosion. I think I was following the recent uh, news about also the CEO of OpenAI and talking about Sam Altman that he created a business of $90 billion from from scratch. So um, I'm really fascinated. I think this is a, a trend that is going to, to be like a game changer for the industry. You know, it's like uh, when you... When the ARM processor was released, when uh, the mobile phone was released, in the beginning there, there will be some is a controversial technology. Then we will find a way for uh, every technology is like a tool. I understand that some people have some concern, but we will find a way of getting the best. Also, I was I was reading something that uh, we were able to find a, a tool learn about how the protein are connecting together using open uh, using artificial intelligence and also recently Google was uh, was able to make uh, a weather forecast model using artificial intelligence that is actually better than the previous one uh, that we use uh, in, in the industry so it's very fascinating because we don't know how but this thing is actually able to get a better result than the traditional way of doing things. Yeah, it's very it's very fascinating. You're reminding me of an example um uh from that I heard about. I think it was it was either, you know, I mean the terms the terms get moved moved around a little bit, you know, AI, what does that really mean? Machine learning, you know, like that's more more defined. But I remember Google per- particularly was an example from Google, I think years ago they had a data center where they just set an algorithm on its sort of cooling mechanisms and 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 you know management and it just improved the kind of like efficiency of the system like by 15 percent or something like that but also but no one really if i recall the story correctly at least at the time no one understood why uh but it could just this machine could just iterate and sort of figure out over time what you know a better way to manage this sort of physical system uh but of course there's all kinds of you know automated systems and things like that that ai can is kind of perfect for Exactly. I'm super fascinated by this world. And well, like every professional is a, a continuous learning. Um, one thing I, one thing that comes up on the podcast from time to time, and I guess it's kind of particularly relevant in this moment is, um, I, I believe you studied computer science, uh, at university. Um, if you were starting out now in 2023 with the intention of having a career as a you know system administrator or, or in IT or in you know as a programmer would you go to university and study for a degree because i mean you're you're one of the people who makes all this great content uh but you're not part of a university uh what would you do now if you were starting out well thank you this is a great question yes i have a degree in computer science and mm, somehow what i'm going to it's controversial because uh, yes, I'm not using the what I was studying is already deprecated. I would say because I was studying Java, I was studying 
some technology that nowadays we are using a little bit less. However, I would say that the mindset that uh, the, the struggle, the the type of program, the the abstraction about uh, like uh, uh, the type of program I'm thinking about uh, NP program, uh, the problem like a uh, complex, the complexity of a program. So the mindset, the the approach of mm, how, how to approach a problem and to write an algorithm. These are the things that I'm using every day in my career. So I. A lot of people nowadays say, uh, I know that especially in the US is a big topic because uh, the student debt is a lot of influence, so it's a different culture. But for me, in Europe, uh, right. the university is, is, a, is a different approach. And definitely, I would say that it creates a, a solid background for my early stage in the career. Especially when you are a junior, <laughs> you don't have a lot of credibility when uh, to write your first CV. You need to start from zero and uh, at least uh, finishing a degree, you show, you show to the world that uh, you started a project, like a long-term project, and you finish. And you came out of the background with the knowledge that uh, there are some... Uh, computer term, I'm thinking about the leap, uh, uh, about the, uh, the how to optimize a graph. Uh, there are some common way of solving an algorithm that uh, I think that the school is still a big foundation. Nowadays, maybe there are different ways of attending the, the school. This is something that we can discuss because uh, I saw a lot of university that open some online courses but maybe they are, sometimes they are a little bit cheaper and you can learn from actually one of the best university. Well, so this is something that uh, people can evaluate, but it depends by personal circumstances. Yeah, that's that's a really great answer. Um, you know, I, I often get people that people people get very passionate about this question. Um, uh, and it's you know, it, it's they maybe they've had different kinds of experiences at university if they went at all. Um, uh, and, uh, my, my, my view is always, if you have the opportunity to spend four years in your youth in study, it will dramatically improve the one life you have to live, uh, very much. Um, uh, it's not, it's not just the sort of specific things you take, as you say, it's like undertaking a long-term challenge when you're young. Often, often the university part, what makes it different from other types of education is that it's very self-directed. Like you choose your courses, you will go to them or you don't, you know, it's, it's, it's up to you. Uh, and the outcome is up to you as well. Um, and it's as hard as you make it basically, uh, which is one of the things about, about a sort of like, you know, university yeah. education is that like you could, you can do the minimum and get the grades you need to pass, or you can make it the biggest challenge you've ever faced. Uh, up to you. Yeah, I would say that uh, I wasn't one of the top students, uh, so I was mediocre at the time. But one thing that uh, I, every young professional should evaluate is create some personal project, uh, being mm -hmm. passionate. Yeah, because the degree will be not enough sometime. So find a way of applying this knowledge uh, in uh, in a way. 
I, I had the opportunity, I think, with uh, Coursera to, did, uh, to do a nano degree. And there was about uh, the single page uh, application, uh, how to use, uh, to develop uh, uh, some, it was create, everything created with JavaScript that interacted with, uh, with an API and was a great um, approach, uh, was a great program because by the end, uh, we were starting from a, a static web page and we'll add automation on the way uh, to uh, to create uh, this uh, um, this wonderful uh, single page application, and everything was published in a GitHub repository. So when I applied for a job, I was able to showcase actually my project, and that was a fantastic way of sharing. But I know that uh, there are a lot of different programs, especially in the UK. There is uh, an apprentice apprentice pro approach program uh, is is very big in my company and it's always fascinating talking with uh, young people uh, especially with Gen, Gen Z that have they have a different approach I'm always surprised that they are able to use this new ID faster than me because they learn in the university and they, they know everything but sometimes they are a little bit scary when they approach like a terminal you know, the black uh, command line where you can type the command and actually interact with it. Um, speaking of sort of young people who are starting out and trying new projects and things like that, um, I just wanted to, then the last part of the interview, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, you know, the, the sort of content creation that you've done and how you approach it. So you've got blog, you've got videos, you've got books, you've got courses um, that you've created. Uh, do you have like a schedule for yourself? Like, for example, are you like every Saturday from like 2 to 4 p.m. I work on something and do you have like a, a calendar where you're like, I'm going to be working on a book in this weekend or in a course on that weekend or is it much, is it more random? Well, I would like to say yes. However, <laughs> uh, however, it's not like that. I saw a lot of people have this and they are very organized, I would say. It's more when... I'm catching the idea when it comes. Usually when the swimming pool, I had an idea and say, okay, yes, I'm going to talk about this topic and I'm going to record, a, I'm going to record a video. What I'm going to, what I'm doing is try to schedule at least one video in the YouTube channel per week because everybody is busy. So, uh, the idea could be like a, a mm, an error that I saw doing my job that I reproduce, uh, uh in a different way but still keeping the same behavior mm -hmm. uh, and that is done. When I recorded the video, what my objective is one per, one per week. Sometimes there are more things that I need to share with my audience. So I'm doing a little bit more. It was a period of time that I was trying to do one every day, but I ended up with a burnout to be honest. I don't know how people are able to create more than this. Because, well, I have still my nine to five and full-time uh, busy, so I'm not able to keeping up. But on the book side, uh, I, well, I think that uh, it's more easy for me to write a blog because uh, I can type whenever I want. And because recording a video is actually a lot of stress, uh, usually I'm recording like free time and then I need to do the post-production. 
So to record just 10 minutes of output uh, behind there is like one hour of work more or less because I need to prepare the script, prepare the code, test the code, see some uh, solve error of the code and then uh, record the video. The first time I forget to turn on the mic. Then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Second, or oh, I'm not satisfied by results, and then I'm gonna publish this kind of stuff. And uh, on, I would say on uh, the, the blog is more fast. Is more fast. Usually, is I can do on the move, or it's fun because sometimes I get the idea when I'm in the bus or when I'm like in outside of my computer. Also, I'm writing a book when I'm commuting for trips or something. I, I was uh, I was on a train for a business trip and I was typing on uh, on my laptop. All the people around me was looking TikTok or listening some music. So this is how I optimize uh, my time. And usually, I don't know, it make me feel more uh, alive. This kind of stuff it make me and well, I'm I'm super happy to have this opportunity to publish, self-publish by myself with a Limpub because uh, I have a feeling, at least this is my feedback, that a lot of IT professionals are looking in this platform as a reference in this sector, as well also a lot of like traditional publishers are uh, looking for talent in uh, in this way. Yeah, what uh, for me, uh, a self-published book and a uh, a published book are two different products, so it's something that I'm writing from scratch from totally different audience. I mean, uh, I try to approach also in different way. I'm trying every time I'm trying to to use like a, a accessible language. I'm trying to be more inclusive. I'm trying to use more we than you. I'm trying not to use uh, like master slave, but primary and secondary. There is a lot of things that uh, we need to uh, take care. But, well, I'm t um, as I said before, I'm lazy, so I'm trying to take advantage of the technology. So I have a Grammarly as a, a spell checker. I'm uh, usually, I'm using the uh, Markdown format for my blog content, so it will be easy to translate some content for their self-published book. So there are a little bit, uh, I did all a lot of optimization on my workflow. This is how I'm able to save time actually. So when uh, I publish, uh, my website is static generated. So for me, publishing an article is just typing uh, a command on a command line. So I just need to type a command and then a lot of automation the uh, task start triggering. As you said, I have more than 500 articles that are solving this unlike everyday problem. But what I'm fascinated is that every day I'm finding new problems to solve and I don't have enough time to to, well, to share this stuff. But yeah, that's 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 a really great answer. I mean, you do sort of like put put so many things together there, including this sort of telling the journey, right? You know, starting from, you know, this is the... At, you know, I think you started at the beginning of the interview, you know, like my first videos weren't very good. Uh, and you, you know, you, you get better at, over time. You learn how to do the post-production and you learn how to get better at your setup and things like that. You learn how to structure them and things like that. But for anyone listening who's interested in sort of, you know, 
getting to where Luca is someday in their own sort of content creation world. It's just a matter of doing it and doing it again and doing it again and doing it again. Um, and, and to keeping in your mind about how to get better, but also, like you said, you know, being, being con like keeping in mind burnout, right? There might be people who can like make 20 videos a day and that's exactly what they want. And there might be people who are like, you know what, what a week is actually like what I want to do. And I want to focus more on blog posts and, and other things like that. Um, the last question I always like to ask, uh, on the interview if the guest has been uh, lean pub author is if there was one magical feature we could build for you. Or if there is one thing that's always had you shaking your fist going, damn you lean pub and shouting at the screen that we could fix for you. Is there anything that you can think of that you would ask us to do? This is very technical because, okay. uh, well, I like, I like the platform. It really make me make my workflow very easy, as I said before. And I saw that you added a lot of new feature, new tool. Uh, I'm really excited to try everything. However, uh, as you probably understood, I'm a person that came from the technology. So all the, all the best part of designing a book or well, what, uh, from a text to a page, there is a journey because, uh, uh, there is a lot of tools behind the scene uh, also to choose the right font, the right format, the right uh, uh, place for the image. Um, I mean, I'm referring, I'm thinking about uh, LaTeX, that is uh, one of the tools that uh, is able to do all this calculation behind the scene. I would like to find uh, one, uh, well, one of my wishes, be able to have more flexibility on uh, the shoes of this mix. I mean, uh, I would like to find in Limpub a different option to um, to to see the output of, of my creation. I mean, it would be like a, having three different preview of my book, and then I could choose which one is better. <laughs> because yeah. now nowadays, there is, I think that you try to find one size fits all that is wonderful. However, some content may be presented in a different way. Yeah, thank you very much for that feedback. That's 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 very very good to hear. Um, uh, this is always the kind of like um, the sort of one of one of our old old lean pub kind of jokes slash principles is if you're still writing, formatting is procrastination. Um, uh, and cause like, I definitely am like that. Like I, I will start, I mean, instead of writing, I'll start playing around with, with the formatting and stuff like that. But of course it, it's a, it's a balance, right? Because you want things, you, you care about how things look, you want them to look the best way they can for the audience that you're writing for, for the thing that you're writing about. Um, and so, uh, the way we usually try and solve that balance is like, you know, use one of our writing modes as you're going. And then when you're done that's the time when it's, you know, like, let's, let's perfect the, the formatting and stuff like that. Um, and so we have InDesign output and stuff like that. Sometimes people go off and they use LaTeX after they've been using, you know, using LeanPub for a while, but that's, that's always the sort of balance that we're trying to sort of strike. Um, uh, but we've had that very specific, we've, I don't think we've ever had a request for like three at once. Uh, but definitely the idea of being able to see a preview of what you're writing live instead of having to like hit the preview button 
and then wait for it to generate the PDF, say, and then mm, go change a bunch of settings and hit the preview button again and wait for it to come out again um, is definitely something that we've heard about a lot before. And I'll, I'll definitely like pass that along to the team that, you know, yet, yet another vote uh, from a great lean pub author for something like that. Uh, well, Luca, uh, thank you very much for taking some time out of your evening to uh, talk to me and to talk to us. And uh, thank you very much for being a LeanPub author and for using our platform to produce such great content. I'm so thankful for hosting me. It was a pleasure. And well, the sky is the limit now. I hope we can meet again, maybe in a conference or uh, live for a beer. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fantastic. Thanks. Thank you so much. And let's automate more. Bye. Thanks. Bye. And as always, thanks to all of you for listening to this episode of the Front Matter Podcast. If you like what you heard, please rate and review it wherever you found it. And if you'd like to be a Lean Pub author yourself, please check out our website at leanpub.com. Thanks.